kind of altercation or some kind of tension. See, what is the why behind them? What is, what is the motivation behind what's going on? And let me try to talk to that. Anybody? Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. Um, and how many of you rejoiced in conflict this week? Yeah, that one's a harder one, right? The techniques that we talked about, communication skills, those we could try out, but then the whole attitudes that Christ tells us that we should have and that Paul says we should have in conflict, they seem to be more difficult, right? So we're starting there this week. Last week we talked about in Philippians chapter 4, or actually in 2 Timothy um, chapter 1, that there are just a basic response to conflict is usually fear. And in 2 Timothy 1, it says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And when we respond with fear to conflict, when there's an altercation, when there's a fight, we either respond in one of two ways. We either fight or we flight. We either fight or we avoid conflict at all costs. And this, neither one of these are helpful to help us become the kind of people that we want to be, to resolve the tension, to get through the situation. They just make it worse. We pour gasoline on the fire. Whether, you're, whether you think that your passive aggressiveness is an escalation or not, it is. Your passive aggressiveness is just as much an escalation as the shouting, right? And I know because I am fantastic at passive aggressiveness. <laughs> like that is, my, that is my skill. And so we have this fight or flight response, but God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. And we said start with why, because Paul tells us to agree in the Lord, to find the underlying common ground of why, um, why someone feels a certain way, why a decision is made or what's going on. And to try to get people to say that's right rather than you're right. And when, we, when somebody says that's right, and I just heard this in a podcast this week I was listening to, um, someone's talking and they're explaining this really complex idea and then the podcaster, he says, okay, so let me see if I got this right. And he repeats back to her in his own words what, he had, what she had just said. And she said, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And then another little bit of the conversation he would repeat back and she said, that's exactly right. And then she would go on and say more and more. And I was like, this is exactly what we're talking about. When you can respond to someone and say, I think this is what's going on inside. I could be wrong. I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but is this what you're saying? And you say it back to them, and they say, that's right. That's completely different than when someone says, you're right, you're right, you're right, which is basically, stop talking to me. I don't want to hear it anymore. I'll let you win, so you go away, okay? So we talked about that's right, and then we started with rejoice in the Lord, the attitude. Rejoice in the Lord, and again, I say rejoice. This is the first attitude we need to have. When conflict comes, rejoice. Why? Because I'm going to learn something. I'm going to grow as a person. I'm going to navigate this conflict in a positive, loving way. And I'm going to come out the other side with this relationship hopefully better than it was. Conflict can help us do that. And when conflict comes, rejoice. Honor Christ, learn something, and grow. And rejoice is really important. Because your tone of voice makes all the difference in the world. Your tone of voice makes all the difference in the world. I, um, I used to be an IT guy for UPS, and I did a lot of phone support, so people would call us up, and one of the things that we were taught in our training was to smile on the phone, because it changes the sound of your voice. They can hear you smile, was like the cliche thing they would tell you. They can hear you smile, and that's why when people answer the phone, hello, how are you doing today, you know, it's different than, hello, how are you doing today, 
Like, you hear the difference in my voice? Hello! Like, I, I'm not changing my voice. I'm changing my face. And my face changes the tone of my voice. So when I smile, it changes how I sound. And when I smile, you feel like I like you. Why are you laughing? Why are you smiling back? You can't help it. You have mirror neurons inside of your brain that when somebody gives you a big grin, you just go, all right. I mean, it's like an involuntary response. You ever play the game, like, like you trying to make people smile? You know, you just give them a big grin, and there it goes. They just flash it, and, and you know, Jamie's back there like, I'm not going to smile. I'm not going to smile. She's trying to hold it in, you know. You can't do it. You just, it just, why? What is going on there? There is a neurological biochemical thing that God has built into us. There is a chemical thing that's happening in your brain when you smile. In fact, studies have shown that your brain is up to 31% more effective when you're in that positive smiling attitude. Isn't that crazy? No, positive thinking, positive, that's all garbage. No, actually, when you, when you bring a positive attitude to conflict, it makes everybody think better. Their brains work and function more better. You flip a switch in your brain and their brain when you bring a positive attitude to the moment, to the situation. They're, they're more likely to have a conversation that's going to work out because we had that moment of smiling. If you could get someone to laugh, you could build rapport. And you could build this, this moment. It's, it's encouraging. It just changes everything. Smart, smiling activates and releases neuropeptides that work towards fighting off stress. They're tiny molecules that allow your, your neurons to communicate and carry messages. It can release dopamine, endorphins, and serotonin. The endorphins act as a natural pain reliever. So you could, you could feel better. You could function better when you smile. So Paul says, if you're going into this conflict, rejoice. Change your tone. Change your attitude. Watch a funny YouTube video. Think of something funny that happened. Get your mind off of this like fight or flight thing, but get yourself in the right frame of mind before you go into this meeting, before you go have this conversation. This could have been all a silly, stupid misunderstanding. And here I am, you know, getting all frustrated and stressed out about it. And I need to change my tone as I go into it. Once you are smiling, then Paul says this, let your moderation... Let your moderation be known unto all men. This is the word epikase in Greek. It means mild, gentle, moderation, patient, reasonableness, seeming suitable, equitable, fair, reasonableness, gentleness, fairness. Paul says let your reasonableness your gentleness your fairness be known unto all men in the midst of conflict the lord is at hand christians should be the most reasonable people you know christians should be the most reasonable gentle fair people you know and if you're not then i don't know what jesus you're following you might have your own version and your own offshoot of what you call Christianity, but if you're a real Christian, a real follower of Jesus, the result will be that you will be the most reasonable, the most gentle, the most fair, and people will, will see this and believe this and feel this in their interactions with you. 
Paul, I'm entering conflict. What do I do? Paul says, smile. Behave in such a way that everybody feels you are reasonable, gentle, and a fair person. And that's exactly where the problem starts. I want to show you a little clip from Chris Voss. If you remember, Chris Voss is the FBI hostage negotiator. And so he was the guy that kind of wrote the book on this. He ended up teaching at Quantico. He ended up teaching um, like business negotiations at Harvard. Um, a really smart guy. Um, he's the real deal. He's like a hard guy who you know, talk with people who would kidnap and murder people for a living. So um, check out this, this clip. All right, we've got no sound. Of course. Let me go back. Ooh, you ready? You got sound up there? You good? Well, maybe, maybe it's me. It's not you, it's me. Could it be? It's always something. <laughs> well, it's me. It's not them. It's my fault this time. All right, okay. Well, can't go wrong, will go wrong, because we were talking about conflict, all right? So here we go. Check this out. The word is fair. Fair is the F-bomb. So, he says in, in negotiations that fair is the, is the F word, that it's a big deal and it messes things up. And it's because it can really set up this tension between what I think is fair and what you think is fair. And we don't agree on what's fair. And now we've got World War III. We've got World War III. When the F word fair starts getting thrown around by a hostage negotiator, the hostage takers, you know, someone might not come home their family. When, when, um, when somebody who's taken a hostage starts saying, I just want what's fair, then the hostage negotiator knows this is a dangerous situation. We've got, this is, things have kind of gone off the rails. Fair can either be a weapon or it can be a defense. Yet Paul, right after he says, set the tone with rejoicing in your conflict, he says, let your fairness be known unto all men. Let your reasonableness be known unto all men. And this unto all men part 
is the problem. There's a reason Paul specifies unto all men here. And I want to share this with you, why he specifies all men. But the journey to understanding this verse is not for cowards. It's not. And it's going to be hard. So I want you to listen. I want you to open your heart and your mind to let God speak to you through this. It's going to take some courage. See, I think I'm pretty good at this stuff. I've read a lot of books about relationships, about psychology, about business negotiations, because I want to understand interpersonal relationships and how we can honor God and what other research has found about these things and what the Bible says about these things, because I think the Bible's always true, but sometimes people discover truth coming about it a different way. It helps me see the scripture. And I think I'm really good at this. So I actually asked um, a pastor friend of mine who I've known for a long time, long time, I said, hey, I think you know, I'm teaching this series on conflict resolution and dealing with conflict, honoring Christ in conflict. Am I right to say that I'm pretty good at this? Like, this is one of the areas, not, not everything I teach am I good at, but this is one of the ones that I feel like I've got a really good grasp on this. And he said, yeah, Ron, you're good at this. This is a thing that you're good at. And so I felt really great about myself. And I go into the office where my wife is working. She's been volunteering here, uh, volunteering her time and working. She was doing the bulletin this week and printing music. She does a ton of stuff, putting in a lot of time and energy. And um, I asked my wife, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I say, so, so Lee, you know, how, you know, I, am I wrong to say that, that generally I'm a pretty reasonable, gentle you know, fair person. Do I come across as reasonable and gentle to you and the kids? And she says, well, you could be a jerk sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, but she said sometimes, so, you know, everybody can be a jerk sometimes, you know, so uh, obviously, I said, um, so seeking to understand rather than be understood, right? I said, so what percentage, you know, if you had to put a percentage on it, what percentage of the time do you might come across as like a jerk? And what percentage of the time do I come across as reasonable and gentle? And she said, eh, I'd say 70-30. And, and making a joke, I'm like, oh, thank goodness, you know, 70%. That's not bad. I got 30% to work on. So making a big joke, I say, so 70% of the time I'm a jerk. And she's like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> oh. See, I told you it's not for cowards. Have you ever sought honest feedback from the people who love and know you the most? And I think to myself, how could this possibly be? I got a pastor friend who would say, I'm really good at conflict. And I think at church world, I'm good in conflict. And I think in business negotiations, I'm good at conflict. So why is my wife having this different experience? Why? Why do my kids have a different experience? How is this? How is this possible? You know, using creativity in the midst of conflict to discover novel or elegant solutions, that's my bread and butter. Like, that's, that's what I'm good at. So, how could this possibly be? I feel like I'm very reasonable. I feel like I'm very gentle a lot of the times. I feel like I try really hard to be fair. So, after I had a good cry, I got my whiteboard out. <laughs> no, I went straight to the whiteboard. I get my whiteboard out and say, God, I want you to teach me about this. How could it possibly be that I could feel like a gentle 
reasonable person, but people on the other side of me don't experience that same thing. How, what could possibly be going on here? And I ask the Holy Spirit to teach me what it means when Paul says, let your reasonableness be known unto all men. And so this is what, this is what I kind of work through. See, when I enter conflict, I only know two things. I bring with me two things. What I know and how I feel. I'm bringing to the table what I know, my experience, and all the things that I can see, and how I feel. And how I feel in this conflict. I got these two things. And I use what I know and how I feel to determine how I could respond. Okay? I take these two things together and I formulate, okay, this is what I know happened. This is how I feel. So then I come up with how I could respond. How I'm entitled to respond. These are all valid responses that I generate. I'm entitled to respond in a hurt way because I was hurt. I'm entitled to respond angry because I felt this terrible thing that was done to me or, or this situation or, or, you know, I saw, I saw this behavior and I interpreted it as this and it made me feel this way. And so I, enti- I feel entitled maybe to respond defensive. I feel entitled to lecture. That's one of my favorites, right? You can ask my son Lucas. I feel entitled to lecture. You know, I feel frustrated and I feel entitled to respond in a frustrated way. Now, I build a list of my entitlements. And for me personally, I know when I'm tired, then I feel forced to participate, then I feel entitled to low-level trolling. Okay? If I'm forced to participate in something when I'm tired and I don't want to, I feel entitled to kind of be, you know, ruin the fun. (laughs) Um, You made me be here, so you could put up with that. Um, When I'm forced to do something I really don't feel up to doing. I feel entitled to mess it up or ruin the fun. Or if I have to deal with something that I feel should have been addressed at some other time. You know, someone's procrastinated or something. I feel entitled to make it harder on the person who procrastinated. Right? I mean, that's perfectly valid. This was your fault. You know, your emergency does not constitute my emergency or whatever, you know, like kind of thing. When I'm anxious, when I'm afraid that strangers might discover that I'm actually not perfect, Okay, you don't have that inside of you, right? Then I feel entitled to embarrass other people. When I might be late for something, this is a big one. When I might be late for something, I feel entitled to be impatient. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. What are you doing? This ain't no retirement home. I'm leaving you. I will leave you. The car is leaving in 30 seconds whether you're with me or not. Let's get out the door. You guys don't talk like that, right? here we go I feel entitled you're gonna make me late you're gonna make me look bad so this the behavior that you deserve to receive I'm entitled to give because I gotta get where I'm going when I'm worried that I'm not gonna be good enough I feel entitled to withdraw and be passive-aggressive to make people feel bad for hurting me to withhold affection and attention And others that I asked about this, I started thinking about this, okay, what other things do people feel entitled to that maybe don't resonate with me, but they're in you? When people feel disrespected, they feel entitled to be disrespectful, right? Well, you disrespected me, so I I have every right then to be 
disrespectful back. When people feel unappreciated, they feel entitled to slack off, to work less, to cause delays, to make things complicated. Because, you know, you don't appreciate me anyways. So then maybe you could do, the, do things in a way that would make them realize how much you really contribute when you're doing things well. Maybe when you feel attacked, you feel entitled to go on the offensive and attack back. You started it. I'm going to finish it. I'm entitled to that. You brought it up, so here we go. Maybe when you feel uncomfortable, you feel entitled to make others uncomfortable. All right, you're going to make me feel weird? You're going to feel weird. Maybe when you feel worried, you, you feel entitled to make other people worry. All right, well, then I won't call them. And I'll disappear, and I'll turn off my read receipts, and I'll, <laughs> I'll make them feel what it's like for once to be worried. When you feel confused or uncertain, then maybe you just shut it down. I don't know what you're doing over there. Just stop. I'm not going to understand. I'm not going to try. I don't want to know. I don't, I'm confused or uncertain, so just stop. Just stop. No, no, no. We're not doing it. When you feel guilty, maybe you make other people feel guilty or you feel entitled to make other people feel guilty. When you feel controlled, then maybe you feel entitled to make the controller miserable which is one of the great joys of life. Let's be honest. <laughs> They're controlling me, and I'm going to make you miserable. You know? To ruin their plans or ideas, to be difficult at every step. Maybe when you feel humiliated, you feel entitled to verbally abuse someone or to even physically abuse because they, they started it. You humiliate, how dare you? We all have a list of responses for how we feel entitled to respond based on what we know and how we feel. We all have a list, and it all pops up, and all we're bringing is what I know and how I feel, and then this is how I'm entitled to respond. Now, but then I'm a good person, okay? So I'm not going to respond this way because I'm not, I'm not a bad person. I'm a pastor, you know. I'm, I'm like a Jesus follower and a Christian, and I want to do things well. And so then I filter the major jerk through this list that Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 because I'm like a Christian, of course. And I've read all these books, and I want to be reasonable, and I want to be a good guy. I want to be reasonable. I want to be gentle and fair. So I take this whole list of ways that I could respond that you deserve, and I water it way down. I water down my list like so much compared to what you deserve or how I could respond. Like I am majorly paring that list down. I'm taking a deep breath before I speak. I'm just... All right, I'm not going to do all those things that I am perfectly entitled to do. And instead, I'm a reasonable guy. And so, I'm a gentle guy. And I tone it way down. And there's a huge problem with this, though. There's a huge problem. If I decide what is reasonable, what is gentle, and what is fair based on my list of how I feel entitled to respond, you see the problem with that? I'm deciding what is gentle, what is fair, and what is reasonable based on my list of how I feel entitled to respond. So the very best I can hope for is what I call jerk light. I mean, I could have done this, but look how nice I am. 
It's still stuff from the list, but it's way less. It's like watered way down. It's like watered down jerk. It's like lukewarm jerk rather than like hot, messy jerk. And then I pat myself on the back because I'm so reasonable. <laughs> I mean, I am so reasonable compared to like what was in my head. There was no murder. There was like no, there was no burning down the house. There was no throwing things. I didn't swear. I was just short with you. You know, I was just curt in my response. This is a little unkind. But I was nothing like what I could have been and what you really deserved. And this is a problem. I mean, after all, this is my wife and children, so I'm going to pare it way down. And then they get jerk light. No wonder why 70% of the time she's like, yeah, you're kind of jerk light. <laughs> I'm going to be way more gentle than they deserve. I'm going to be very reasonable compared to what I could do. Or based on what they did to me, I think I'm being super fair, but in reality, I'm still being a jerk. So what if we add a step? How do we fix this? What if we add a step? What if I then take the, the stuff I've learned from uh, negotiating with people and how relationships work, and I add in what you know and what you feel. Okay? So I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to pause. I'm going to listen. What do you know and what do you feel? And then I'm going to take what you know and what you feel and what I know and what I feel and then create my list of how I feel entitled to respond. What's, what's, will that work? If I come up my, with my list of how I could respond and decide what's fair... You know, then maybe, maybe I come up with jerk zero. <laughs> this is what happens. Because then, when we use the F word, like Chris Voss said, and I'm trying to figure out what's fair based on what you know and what you feel and how I feel and what I know, now we're just in a fight over what's fair. And even if I can come up with what's fair, I get to jerk zero, which is like Coke zero, Right? There's no sugar in it. There's no calories. But with some kind of voodoo, it still tastes like Coke. And it probably still kills you. Like, let's just be honest. <laughs> so maybe I'm technically... It's kind of like when your wife says, I wish you would stop doing that. And so you stop doing it, but somehow it's worse. <laughs> some of you are gifted like that, okay? <laughs> you know... You stop doing the exact thing they told you to do, but now life is worse. How is that even possible? How can we do that? Jerk zero, right? Jerk zero. It's a new, whole new thing. We're still paring it down. How I could respond. We're just arguing about what's fair. And all too often, I feel like I'm bending over backwards to be fair, and yet the other person still doesn't feel like I'm being fair, or like I'm being kind, or I'm being reasonable. And maybe they're being unreasonable, or maybe we need another ingredient. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, in the second part of the verse, in this little sentence, Paul says, the Lord is at hand. He says, let your reasonableness, your moderation, be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. What does it mean that the Lord is at hand? It means that Christ is soon to return. That he could come back any moment. And when he comes back, he's going to judge how we are behaving and how we treat each other based on how he has told us to live. 
It's like, uh, it's like Jeff. Jeff, you do uh, sales and training, right? So do you ever go with the sales guy and like, kind of show him the ropes? As much as you can, right? And so I'm imagining your process. You go out and you just have them with you and you make the sale. You have the conversation with the person and then you talk after. See how I did this and I did this and remember like the training, we did this. And then you go to the next one and you have them do the introduction or something and then you make the pitch and you do the finalization and then they do it by themselves with you there. And then afterwards you're like, okay, so you started good and then you did this and we had this conversation, debrief with them. This is the training process. And eventually, the guy's just saying everything and doing everything by himself, and you're just observing. And then he gets to do it on his own. It's the same thing with Christ. It's the same exact thing with Christ. You see, in every situation that I'm in, I have Christ beside me. So we have a conflict. We've got a problem. And Christ is there with me. And he's checking, are you doing this according to company policy? Are you doing this the way that you have been taught? Are you representing the kingdom well? Because the Bible says, I am a, I'm an ambassador for Christ, not just me as a pastor. You are an ambassador for Christ. You're a representative of the kingdom of God. And so, you're supposed to behave as a representative of the kingdom of God. And your training manager, Jesus Christ, is right there with you in the conflict, in the negotiation, to see how you're doing, to see if you represent the kingdom of heaven well. And when a salesperson makes a pitch, they're working with company resources, okay? If they have to take out a client to lunch, if that's part of how we make sales, is taking out a client to lunch, guess what? they're using the corporate card. Because otherwise, if I got to pay out of pocket, we might all end up at Taco Bell, right? <laughs> I would like 36 soft shell tacos, please. Don't worry, guys, I got it. <laughs> it's on me, right? No, the company doesn't want you treating clients like that. We want to take care of them. We want, this is going to make a big sale. I mean, the multi-million dollar sale, and here we are at Taco Bell, you know, he's, no, they're going to make sure that if I'm selling for them, then I'm going to have a corporate card where I, we could go to Red Lobster or Applebee's or, or Outback or whatever, and you get whatever you want. It's on me. Let's talk about this. Let's hammer out the final bits of this deal. And when the waiter comes, you just hand them the card. It's paid for. You don't have to worry about, do we have the money to cover this? Because that money doesn't matter. We need to make the sale. We need to facilitate this. And so we have resources available to us from the company, right? They're not expecting you to use your own cell phone if you're in a decent company because what if your phone goes out of service? What if you're cheap and you bought a dumb phone? No, here, use this phone and you answer every time it rings. They're not expecting you to drive your hoopty or your old car. <laughs> no, you take the company vehicle. That way it works on the job site. It does everything it's supposed to do. They give you these resources. And the same is true for us as Christians. We're not supposed to operate just from our own personal resources in negotiations, in conflict. We have at our disposal the resources of the kingdom of God, the supernatural resources of God that we can pull from and use in our responses. 
because the Lord is at hand. We have been blessed and gifted resources of the kingdom of God to represent the Lord and His kingdom in all of our conflict. The problem with the chart is here. How I'm entitled to respond. That's the problem. The other stuff is good. What I know, how I feel, that's legitimate stuff. I'm bringing that into conflict. Figuring out what you know and how you feel, that's important for me to use. Tactical empathy, as Chris Voss calls it. But when I'm making a list of how I'm entitled to respond, that's a problem. That's a problem. How I'm entitled to respond. I have been given a new life in Christ, and I'm now called to respond in love. I'm called to respond in love with the fruit of the Spirit, as we see in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And guess what? You have a corporate card at your disposal for an unlimited supply of any of the things on the list that you could pull from and respond from in conflict if you choose to. I'm so mad right now. I'm so frustrated. And Christ says, well, here, take the patience card. Just swipe it, man. We got plenty. Are you sure? Yeah, I will supernaturally give some into your account. You'll be good. Oh, I'm going to light them up. They deserve to be I can't believe they said that. I'm going to just drop the bomb on them. And God, God, Christ says, no, 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 no. Here, take some kindness. We got plenty of kindness. Just take some. Grab some from the supply closet on your way out. Grab 30 rolls of kindness if you need it. <laughs> and take it with you. We will supply you. We will give you goodness. We will give you gentleness, faithfulness, the fruit of the Spirit. And I am called, I am empowered, I am resourced by the kingdom of God, by Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit within me to use these things supernaturally to respond with these resources. So I take what I know and how I feel. I take how you feel and what you know as I listen. And then I come up with a list of how I'm called to respond with the fruit of the Spirit. And using that list, I decide what is reasonable here. What is reasonable? Because it might cost too much to be kind to you based on how I feel and what I experienced. But Jesus Christ can fill that. He can pay that. It might cost too much to be faithful in this situation when, you know, I have every right to kind of bail. But Jesus Christ can pay for that. He can fill that. Because He's already paid for it. How you feel entitled to respond is the F-bomb that will blow up your relationships. If you continue to deal with conflict, if I continue to deal with conflict based on how I feel entitled to respond, I'm going to blow up my relationships. It doesn't matter how generous I think I, f I am. I'm still going to be jerk light. Maybe even jerk zero. But I'm still going to be a jerk. It's not going to be who I want to be. It's not going to be who I want to be. I just want what's fair will get you nowhere. 
And when we respond like Christ using all the resources he's given us, guess what's going to happen? First off, it's going to be really difficult at first. Because yes, the resources are available. That's a whole new awareness for you that these resources are available, that God will supernaturally empower you to be the guy that you don't think you can be. He will empower you to respond in the way that you just don't think is possible. And then to use it is going to be a little difficult at first because it may not get you what you want. Right? What do you want? Well, I want to make them miserable. Like That's what they've done. I want to make them pay. And the kingdom resources aren't designed to make them pay. That's not what they're there for. It's to spread love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, grace. It's to honor Christ. It's to grow and make people look at God and say, wow, you're awesome. It may not get you what you want, but it will get you what you need. Because when you operate with kingdom resources, the systems and processes that Christ developed, the ways of responding will feed your soul will allow you to go through conflict and come out stronger in relationships. It will allow you to to increase the amount of relational capital that you have in relationships instead of just trashing it and wasting it. It will generally, it will make you better. There will be pain, there will be difficulty, but there will be growth. It will get you what you need. And it will honor Christ. So, summary. In conflict, pause. Pause. Seek to understand rather than be understood. Get on the same page with how they feel and what they know. Filter that all through how Christ has called you to respond and put it on the company card. Put it on the company card. The test. The test as to whether or not you're doing this well. As to whether you're just watering down and becoming jerk light or whether you're actually trying to honor Christ is this question. Is the result of my behavior a better or worse environment? Is the result of my behavior a better or worse environment for the people around me? See, when I'm jerk zero, it's still a worse environment. I mean, I'm not doing any of those things that I could, but I'm still creating a worse environment. Is the environment more loving, peaceful, patient? Are your responses producing this sort of fruit? Is joy increasing? Is love developing? Is faithfulness growing? Because trust is growing. Are all of these things being encouraged? If so, you're probably not being a jerk. But if you're not producing these things, then you're probably being a jerk. Let's pray. Dear God, this week I, would, I, I pray that you would help us to get honest with ourselves about how we respond to each other. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just respond out of how we feel entitled to be. That we would pause. That we would instead look to you and your resources Because if we just do it on our own, if we take our own abilities, our own resources, we're going to mess it up. God, I pray that we would put it on your card. That we would instead turn to the kingdom of God and learn to live 
on your resources, on your supernatural, grace-filled abundance. God, I pray that we would think, how can I respond in, in a way that this is the fruit of the Spirit? Let me try one of these. Let me try it out. I mean, if it, if it doesn't work, God, then that's on you. But God, I pray this week that we would be courageous enough to try it, to actually do it, to, in the heat of the moment, respond the way you call us to, not how we feel like we're entitled to. Help us to be the most reasonable people that the world knows. Help us to be the most gentle people the world knows so that your kingdom and your gospel would go forward. In Jesus' name, amen.